0: Crest gum detoxify, give clean toothpaste. Yeah, yeah. Crest gum detoxify, neutralize bacteria, even below the gum line, yeah, it works. Crest,
1: healthy, beautiful smiles for life.
0: The following interview was recorded for CFRO The Pulse, Vancouver Co-op Radio's daily news show. The Pulse airs Monday to Friday at 7am on 100.5 FM and streaming live at coopradio.org.
1: Today, we talked to Councillor Rebecca Bly about the special council meeting on homelessness that wrapped up on Monday. It's been a big two weeks for news on homes and homelessness. Last Friday, the mayor moved a motion calling for city staff to research the feasibility of three options for housing homeless residents. The council discussion wrapped up on Monday with the motion passing with a number of amendments, Councillor Bligh moved to make some of the largest amendments to the motion, including setting up a triage intake process for residents looking for housing. Here is Councillor Bligh on the thinking behind her amendments and voting decisions. Councillor Rebecca Bligh, great to
2: have you on the show today. Hi there, thanks so much for having me.
1: Rebecca, it was um, a bit of a marathon meeting last Friday and Monday, I would say, with the special council meeting on homelessness.
2: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> It, it, it was, it was uh, spanning over the weekend, but we got there.
1: Let's just dive right in because there's lots that went um, on during that meeting. I want to start with this sense that I picked up during the meeting, especially with the speakers from the community. I'm getting that there's a sense of distrust between unsheltered folks, uh, both at Strathcona Park and maybe also outside of the park, and city staff, uh, city council, and also particularly BC Housing. Did you have that sense as well and what do you make of that?
2: Yeah, I did. Um, I I think I understand what you may be picking up on. And um, but truly, I think that we have to start with the reality that um, supportive housing and government housing has been lacking on a number of levels over decades in terms of delivering housing, supporting people where they are at and being able to um, do what we can to improve the quality of life for our most vulnerable residents. So I think a mistrust of government at all levels exists. Um, And many times I hear stories of people who feel really let down by the system. Um, BC Housing is a partner um, at the provincial level and of course at the city level and we do have um, a very robust and ongoing working relationship with BC Housing. We rely on BC Housing to build um, not-for-profit government housing um, and and also to support in um, the the implementation of various operators. So we have a number of different operators in the city that once BC Housing has come in with partnered with the province to um, establish physical, tangible housing units, then an operator comes in and works with the, the unsheltered resident population and integrating them into the housing and, and setting things up and ongoing operations of the, of the housing itself. So I think what we're talking about is um, people who have varying degrees of um, need you know, mental health and addictions, housing specifically. Some people don't have any of those challenges um, other than housing and they're looking to uh, stabilize their life. They are working, but they're not able to find uh, affordable housing with what they earn. That sort of thing. So I, I think what we're getting from the situation is that there are many, many, many different kinds of need in the in our unsheltered population. And sort of saying that they all just need housing and then everything will be fine is isn't working anymore. And and I think that's another layer that you're you're maybe you were picking up a sense of. Thanks, Rebecca. There's a sense that residents weren't
1: consulted enough uh, by both by councillors, the mayor, and other folks. In this sense, um, I think back to the phrase uh, "nothing about." us without us mm-hmm. and i i remember at one point in the meeting uh one speaker asked the counselor we well how often have you been down to the camp uh that was a bit of an uncomfortable interaction. and i just want to get your sense on it do you feel that city councilors the mayor and yourself have had a good amount of consultation with the unsheltered residents and the sheltered ones at rathcona
2: so i mean i can um share from my perspective um Councillor Wiebe and myself put forth a motion before we knew that the mayor was going to call a special council meeting. We were going with our regular process that the Tuesday after the long weekend, we're coming back into council after the recess in August. We spent the summer working on a motion to help, um, you know, address some of the um, needs that we're, we're noticing or that is a result that the Strathcona Park encampment exists. We worked with Park Board. We worked with other counselors. We had a number of um, calls with various residents. We had a Zoom call with a number of Strathcona residents. Council, we've actually spent quite a bit of time at the park meeting with um, unsheltered residents in the park. I spent a lot of time working with um, the, the, the park board elected and city staff and just to sort of bring all of that dialogue together. And what we brought forward in our motion reflects that dialogue so I I believe um, in addition to that the the park the camp leaders have uh, a series of um, requests in terms of what they're looking for why they're in the park and if that if they were able to attain housing that met those requests then um, We could start there. So I felt we had a good sense of what it is that they were looking for. Um, And there is also a number of um, um, situations where they haven't allowed people to come into the camp. So I've been to Strathcona Park a number of times um, and met with uh, people there, um, but have not myself gone into the camp. Councilor Weave took that role as we partnered to try and find solutions.
1: Rebecca, I want to talk a little more about the process too of coming uh, of the council coming to that decision. I'm curious I want to start with when the mayor sent out the uh, press release um, of his original motion and then you and uh, council Weep, as you talked about had this separate motion and it seems to me here there was a duplication of efforts uh were you how much co- communication was there going on between mayor and council before uh, before the mayor com- came out of that motion? did you find about? Bad- out about it about the same time that I did? Or did that do <laughs> before? Uh,
2: maybe a, maybe a few days before. Um but actually um I the first time I saw the mayor's motion I think was after we had already submitted our motion. Um but we had um had a couple of discussions to say this is what we've been working on the week before and we would like to work Together to um, to to um, find it, you know to sort of move through the logistical process of council to get to some sort of direction to staff because it was very clear that taking not taking any action at all is no longer an option for anybody involved. Thanks Rebecca.
1: And I think what I'm trying to understand here is that was there a duplication of efforts on the mayor's part and then your part? And I mean, clearly there's a lot of mutual um, agreement on what needs to be done and we'll come kind, of, kind of amendments back and forth, but I want to understand like how level of interaction here?
2: Yeah. So what happens um, in council is that um, we sort of work long hours and as you know, I'm sure by paying attention to these civic issues, um and we get to have a few breaks a year. And one of those breaks is August. Um, and so we can, we recess from council. And to be qu- quite um, clear, leading up to the end of July, we had sort of an unprecedented amount of work, um, virtual meetings. So I think there was a, a, a sense of wanting to respect one another's Space and just for people to be able to get their breaks. Um, so, no, I can honestly say there was perhaps duplicate effort happening when it came to um, consulting with people and, and looking at this park specifically. Um, Because oftentimes, you know, people will see different counselors will see politicians will see different ways to address various issues. And sometimes you need to seek alignment and then sort of run with what you've got at that time. Um, I didn't and, and so, I'm not surprised that some of that um, effort was happening concurrently, and that's not uncommon, I would say, when it comes to addressing specific issues. I would say that we were working um, not together necessarily, but concurrently on a same issue. And when it comes to submitting what our findings are in our plan, um, then that sort of collaboration happens in the public eye at a, at a special council meeting or a council meeting. So what you saw was the work that we did together. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Rebecca. I want to switch gears a little bit and I want to talk about
1: um, that the, um, the temporary disaster relief shelters you, you propose in your motion will be temporary duration of six months, I believe, and they will report back. And that makes sense to me in terms of funding. But I want to just ask again the question that Councillor Jean Swanson asked during the council meeting, which is after six months, where would people go?
2: Yes, so we are in a very interesting time. We know that um, the provincial government has made a series of announcements in terms of what they plan to bring um, spring 2021, whether it's temporary modular housing units, um, a new approach with navigation centers um there's a lot of discussion happening around whether or not there'll be a provincial election in uh in the at the end of this year in 2020 or into next year so there's a lot happening in terms of um um political momentum towards supporting people at the end of the day we are a local government we have only really property tax revenue to support us in an operational way um, and user fees, but we know that those, um, because of COVID, ha- are have dropped significantly. And so has um, sort of just the general affordability across the city. Until we know really, and we're not coming out of this pandemic, we're very much in the middle of it. So we have to be um, mindful. We have to be fiscally prudent to not overcommit something that we can't deliver. However, in six months, if we find that with a disaster relief shelter, we're able to justify, first of all, that we took action because it's, it is a disaster. Now, I don't want anyone to think that I am calling people a disaster. That's never the case. But the situation is untenable and we know that. Um, and it's an emergency. We're in a pandemic and we have 500 people living in tents in a park. That's a problem. So I think that we could go to the provincial government and federal government to say we were left with no choice but to take action. We've committed to six months and we are going to learn a lot in the next six months and with that we can justify asking for funding, we could extend it, we could pivot. We could do a whole lot of other things, but what we need to do is take action immediately. And really the six month timeline came from the announcement that a navigation center would be delivered by the province in six months. And so what we are doing is a stopgap measure um, on an interim basis, so temporary, and staying within our lane as a local government where we're able to help the residents of the city, but it's not our mandate to provide housing for the homeless. We can't do that. So we don't have the, the resources to do that on our own, but we can certainly help and support senior levels of government when they come to the table with what they can do.
1: That makes sense to me, Rebecca, about the sense about the limits, the very real limits that uh, the city has on its funding. Mm-hmm. But having said that, the province and the feds haven't really stepped their table. the table. Pro- the province definitely much more than the feds. But the navigation center that you mentioned that will be coming online in a couple of months, that only has 60 beds. And I just wanted to check here with the intent behind that clause of the motion here, because my sense that is there are some people's worry that after six months, uh, when this expires, if the city is unable to come finding that people would just be turned back out on the streets.
2: Yes, and I can appreciate there'd be some nervousness around that. Um, What we need to do is address the fact that we can't have people living in parks. So we need to move. We don't have jurisdiction over the park. Under the Vancouver Charter, Vancouver is very unique in that we have a park board. They have jurisdiction over the park, and they need to be able to do what they were elected to do, which is manage parks as parks. Um, We have a very compassionate Park Board who understands the housing is a human right, and we agree, but we have to bring the folks into city-owned land so we can do our job as a city council as best as we can. I don't, we know that if we were to just turn people back out onto the street, they would just end up back in parks. So we're basically saying enough is enough. We need to have a better strategy here. This is not going to be a council motion where we create these shelters and then nobody's paying attention to it anymore. This becomes at the midpoint of our term. This becomes, in my opinion, um, a, a pivotal moment in terms of how this council is going to respond to the crises in Vancouver. So I can't promise what we're going to do in six months. But there are many other additions to the motion that I supported because I think we need to look at everything so perhaps we have some tiny homes on city on on um you know in church parking lots that we can help navigate people to some people need women only supports and residents and shelters some people need sober shelters somebody need or housing supportive housing um Other folks have housing, but they don't want to be there. So we need to look at why don't they want to be there? You know, it's isolating, we're in a pandemic, they can't have guests, they're alone, it's not. So maybe we need to look at how we are housing people, generally speaking, in these SROs, because that's also not working for people. And then I also think um, we need to understand, I, I look at it, the disaster relief shelter as a triage, where you come in like an emergency room, and you talk about what's going on for you, and then they're able to support you in the correct way, rather than saying you're all, you all have, are are experiencing the same challenges in your life, and so we're going to deal with it all the same way, because that's proving not to work. I want to ask you about
1: the detail of the triage. So I've had unsheltered residents tell me the discomfort they have with BC housing. If people are having to give fairly intimate details about their lives through a triage center managed by organizations they may or may not trust, we may run into issues there. What are your thoughts on that?
2: That's actually um, an a, a, um, an emerging uh, conversation that we're having at council um, because we are hearing more about these concerns, I think probably um, related to Oppenheimer Park in the province stepping in and rehousing people or housing people um, at the Howard Johnson and various hotels around the, around the region um, and then operators sort of needing to quickly adapt to um, that situation. I don't really have uh, an answer for you in the sense that I know what we need to do, but I think it's an emerging conversation, and we need to lean into this conversation as elected officials with BC Housing to find out where we're we letting people down on this in this situation. Um, it's it's challenging when when folks are are needing that support for various reasons, um, and government typically. You know, moves quite slowly and 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 slowly responds to you know that feedback loop um, where you sort of say, hey, this isn't working for me, and they're able to quickly adapt um, the services to be to be better. What we do know is um, temporary modular housing would be one example where housing and supporting folks is really working. Um, it's just that it's slower to deliver, and we house less people in in those projects than we can, let's say, in a hotel. So I think. When there's the numbers are so high in one particular um, um, government supported housing um, space, uh, you know, again, individual needs can fall through the cracks. And I think that is the consistent message that I'm hearing.
1: Um, I want to ask you about a clause in your motion about the facilitating the decampment of Strathcona Park. I think Mayor Kennedy Stewart voted against it, Councillor Swanson voted against it. And I'm curious here if that would lead to a sense that City Council really is endorsing the police coming in and clearing Strathcona Park. Uh, because I think that would lead to a bit of, of anxiety on the part of campers. Uh, what is your sense around that?
2: Well, it's really... Um to, to be clear about intention here, which is that um, the park itself is, a, is, or I should say the camp itself, you know, there are many folks in that camp that are doing their very best and trying to do right by the community around them while trying to survive. We know that. But there is, an, there is a, um, a, a criminal element to what's happening in the park that is unsafe. Now, I'm not a camp leader. I don't have the ability to go in and figure out why that's happening, but it's happening. So we have a responsibility to the safety of all residents, both sheltered and unsheltered in our city. And I get it's a tough issue. I'm not suggesting that the police are going to need to go in there and I hope it doesn't come to that point. But I think at the end of the day, Housing advocates camp leaders residents and decision makers need to come together and and find a solution, knowing that doing nothing isn't going to work. So um, If the park board says it's time to clear the park and we do our very best to um, to to provide supports to the most vulnerable folks that are living in the park. I think that that's a, a fair effort, um, knowing that we are we have our foot on the gas when it comes to um, looking to the federal government to deliver housing, and that's going to take time, um, and also to the region to look at how do we regionally support homeless, uh, the homeless population um, in all the municipalities around Vancouver, not just Vancouver. And I think that's another issue is we're putting so much time, energy, resources into this. And we need, we need a regional approach to this so that people feel supported in their home communities.
1: Then that may be one of my last questions to you, Rebecca, which is this idea of the regional approach. Has there been any progress made on the regional front? Uh, what are you seeing? Where are we going?
2: well it was a, an amendment that was added to the motion which is great and that is to engage metro vancouver um in in their regional strategy and i believe that there is um a a committee that is meeting on this issue but i really haven't heard much we talk about the city of vancouver we talk about the province and the feds but we do all sort of uh, work with as directors in the metro um, context and, um, and I think they need to be really coming out with a, more of a um, proactive and um, clear commitment to work with the municipalities that they, that they support. Um, and not enough is happening there. And you're absolutely right. Vancouver is not the only one that's dealing with homelessness. Um, but what we do know is there's been affirmative action from other um, municipalities, namely city of Surrey, uh, over the years to really eradicate um, this type of um, uh, encampment style um, uh, or encampments on, on their streets and it's really pushed people out of surrey and into other municipalities I believe and so it's a tough spot we need to not be pointing fingers at each other we need to be coming together and talking about it with the commitment that we do our very best to address the issue the challenge with what we're facing right now is the concentration of numbers in one area it's a it, that's what makes it an untenable situation so by um, facilitating a decampment of the park we do need to um, sort of break down the population into more manageable sizes so we can actually help people. We cannot help people at the size that it is now.
1: Last question for you, Rebecca. Um, I, know, I know that lots of the sheltered residents in Strathcona are really feeling the pressure too now with your, the public safety issues and communication between um, sheltered and unsheltered folks are really breaking down at this point. Do you have any last words you'd like to give folks in Strathcona in general, as city council and city staff and handle the situation?
2: Yes, I mean, I've been in dialogue with many, many, many Strathcona residents. I've, housed residents and um you know i think at the end of the day the message is that we are working on it in the sense that um it's come to council we've asked staff to come back in short order with some direction by october 2nd Uh, that's when the real work begins because we'll have to be making some really tough decisions about what and how we're going to do this um i think the worst of the worst is over in the sense that for two months it felt to the residents that nobody was paying attention to what was happening in the neighborhood. Um, but as the violence escalates, the police calls have escalated. We've um, directed the mayor has directed um, more police presence in the neighborhood, um, not at the park specifically, but in the adjacent neighborhoods. And um, you know, my 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 sense is that. Um, you know, this is a this is a core and critical issue for all of council right now. And with that, I hope that the residents of Strathcona are feeling uh, heard. And it's just uh, at this point where we need to give our staff some time to go and source some solutions and then we can come back to them and partner with the park board at the same time.
1: Councilor Rebecca Bly, really thank you for your time today and all the work you put into this. I know it's been a lot.
2: Thanks so much for inviting me on. It was great to speak with you. <laughs> Take care, Rebecca. Have a good day. Bye-bye.
1: And that was Councillor Rebecca Bly about the special council meeting on homelessness that wrapped up on Monday. You're listening to The Pulse and CFRO. It's your independent daily news show here on Vancouver Corp Radio 100.5 FM. I'm Tan Macy. Take care. Have a great weekend.
0: CFRO The Pulse is brought to you by the Local Journalism Initiative a program funded by Heritage Canada and administered through the Community Radio Fund of Canada. Someone you know has probably experienced cancer, a heart attack, or stroke. The odds of experiencing one of these are high, which could result in bills for thousands of dollars in out-of-pocket expenses. How would you pay for it? With your savings? There is another option. and control visit colonialpen.com for more information this is a limited benefit policy this policy is limitations and exclusions for costs and complete details of coverage visit colonialpen.com welcome back to the pro charity classic beautiful day for golf wouldn't you say Alan?
2: When you're distracted, you can't focus on what's important. Drive smart. Leave your phone alone. A message from ICBC.